1: The following is
0: a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's Baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear.
1: If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend.
0: This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Today you're going to hear from Dallas Braden, Sandy Alomar Jr., Fran Reardon, and Grady Fuson. We're going to start with Dallas. Dallas is, he really is a treasure for Oakland A's fans. You know, Dallas, obviously we talk about the perfect game, but what he means to the franchise as he truly is a fan favorite because he is a guy that grew up in Stockton, grew up an A's fan and got to live the dream of playing for the green and gold. And of course, he is one of our broadcasters. You see him on NBC, California, and then he basically has become the mayor of Fantasy Camp. You want to go to fantasy camp? You're going to be hanging out with Dallas Braden. Here is the left-hander. Dallas Braden will be joining Glenn Kuyper, and he joins us now here on A's Cast Live. Did you see the article you were recently mentioned in?
1: Um, there's a, there's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say about me. I guess, Tony. Which article are you talking about?
0: It's uh, picking one folk hero from every team, and I, you know, when you look at. Whenever you look at one of those articles, first thing you do is you go to the A's and see who are they going to pick. Yeah, because is it a guy from the seventies? Right. Is it a guy from the eighties? Right. It's you.
1: It, is it a guy who's probably? <laughs> is it a guy who's going to answer his phone? I think that's that's how it ended. They're like, all right, who who would answer the phone and maybe maybe send out a tweet or something. And so it landed it landed on me. No, that was. Um, I got to tell you, Tony, I had a lot of people send me that article, you know, through social media and stuff, and I had no idea, you know, what it is. And You get to the Oakland A's and you start. So, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I did. I ran into my wife and was like, look at this. And she was like, what does this mean? What? And I was like, it just means that the fans are about as cool as it gets. They are about as welcoming and uh, lovable as it gets, because in in my opinion, am I the guy that deserves to be that name on that list? You totally deserve it. Pro- probably not, but do I wear it with you a badge? You deserve oh, Johnny, it, Tony Like like you wouldn't believe. People man.
0: love you. I, I I don't know. Was it last year or the year before when you went up into uh, the top of the stadium down the yeah. right field line? Yes, and then. People started tweeting about it. Next thing you know, you are just having a beer, wanted to hang out. And next thing you know, you had a
1: line of people. <laughs> yeah. Hey, doesn't matter. I am I'm, I'm there. I was there to catch a ball game day off. But uh, you know that there's certain things that come with showing up at the ballpark. And for me, interacting with fans, if, if it takes two minutes to make somebody's day or if I get to take five minutes and hear a cool story from a fan's perspective, I, I just don't understand how that ever turns into a bad thing. And it never has been for me. And so it was just another awesome story, another great memory formed at the ballpark that I get to tell. If you're
0: real, Ace fans will love you.
1: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And I think that's what we have seen. That's what's been so cool about being part of this organization for so long is you've seen players come and go. You've seen great players who may have not have connected with the fan base on the same level that even some guys who weren't everyday players, who weren't regulars or who might not have been the best performers, but they endear themselves to the fan base. They make themselves available, and the next thing you know, you're, you're celebrated in a way, frankly, that you just don't deserve to be.
0: And I, I, I think about what we got going here. There's it, it, something special. We we're just talking to Grady Fuson, and, and, you know, we're talking about putting all the pieces together, defense, starting pitching, bullpen, home runs, scoring runs. It, it, this, this, to me, I think a lot of people on the outside don't really know it like we do. I think this is this team's times this it's, year.
1: Well, you, windows, right? That's what we talk about in pro sports. Windows, windows of opportunity. Does the team, have they put themselves in position to take advantage of their window? And what does it look like? And and for you and I, frankly, Tony, there is no glass in sight. And what do I mean by that? Is that window is wide open, broken out. There's not a frame to be seen. It is wide open, in my opinion. And to your point about, players before endearing themselves to the fan base and what we have here now i mean you just think about the guys like you know the, the murphys the pucks the lazardo so i'm sure you guys have talked about three in the top 100 prospect list of all of baseball right here at the big league level for the oakland a's and those are just some of the personalities that for the foreseeable future will be the guys who not only go out and perform well but again are along that same thread endearing themselves to the fan base how would you
0: handle these young left-handers, to where they only pitched in relief last year. You know, Lazardo kept having some nagging injuries, puck coming back from Tommy John. You need them to throw as many innings as possible. You need them to be ready to go for postseason play. How do you handle that?
1: You need them to be healthy, first and foremost, and then you need them to be confident in themselves and how you get there is putting them in positions to succeed. And I think that's part of what we saw last year is to dump the responsibility of full-time rotation spots on guys. That's a that's a lot to handle early on, especially if you are dealing with maybe some injuries or you have some restrictions placed on you like we had some arms. Although they're pitching at the big league level, they, they didn't necessarily have the the free ability to be who they were because of monitoring and making sure that their health was something that was being paid close attention to. So for me, again, as I said, getting a gauge of their confidence, and from there it's basically letting them know, you are going to be a big part of what we do now and what we do in the future. How we are able to get you out on the mound every five days is something we're going to pay attention to. And we talk about this a lot, guys coming off injury or guys just getting to pro ball. It takes a while for you to get your arm into professional pitching shape. And then there's that big league pitching shape as well. And that's where they're at right now, the Pucks, the Lazardos, is they're, they're scratching that surface of figuring out, am I going to be a mainstay in this rotation? Is maximizing my talent and ability the best thing for the team in the rotation? Is it a bullpen roll? Those things shake themselves out. But right now, when you look at the rotation and how it shapes up, to have those two guys in the conversation at this early in their career, knowing what kind of impact they could have, you, you got to think you're, you're sitting in a pretty good spot.
0: How key is Chris Bassett, the ability to start, the ability to relieve, and – really can kind of give you that option, a legit option on the mound, if you want to give Puck and Lazardo some time off.
1: That's It is it is paramount. It is I really can't speak about the magnitude because you're talking about guys who can go out there and get it done in, in, in a Bassie and you're not questioning or second-guessing whether or not he's serviceable. You know what you're going to get. So now you have the ability to plug that guy in should something go down early before a start or you have Chris Bassett to lean on for three innings if a blow up occurs early on and you need someone to not only just keep you in the game but give you a chance to win, that's who Chris Bassett is. And I've talked a lot about Yusmero Petit before in the past. When you think about The San Francisco Giants run and what he meant to that club coming out of the bullpen, being a spot starter, a guy who can go and clean up three or four innings in a blow up scenario that I just mentioned. And that is huge when you talk about taking pressure off of the rotation. You talk about taking pressure off of the bullpen to have a guy, a Swiss Army knife down there that you can unfold at any point in time, as Bob Melvin can. That's that's magnitudinal. We are all about
0: being able to play in a lot of different positions. Mm-hmm. That's the new thing in baseball. We need guys that can play all over the diamond and the new chic thing. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today. A lot of people may not know you hit in college and you were a good hitter in college, a two-way player, the value of somebody oh. Shohei Ohtani Otani oh. can be an ace pitcher. The guy could pitch in the all-star game, be in home run derby. But I think what, what would your value be if you're a legit pitcher and hitter in major league
1: baseball? Well, I mean, I, don't, I, I feel like I am screaming into the void when I explain to people the value of a Shohei Otani, and people are going, yeah, but you know, it's, no, 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 not yeah, but you know, just take your number two or your number three starter in any rotation in the major leagues, and think about giving that guy 350 at-bats in a season, you would be laughed out of the building you would be laughed out of every general manager meeting that you would be invited into the minute you said that that's who shohei otani is that's who some of these two-way guys could potentially represent otani's on a different level than anybody else frankly we're talking about a guy townie who is garnering comparisons to the great george herman ruth yeah that just doesn't come along every hundred years as we're finding out so you plug a guy like otani who's got the ability to hit in the middle of a lineup and go out and get you a start against a number a number one a number two that is a that is a unicorn that's not even a unicorn i don't even know what you call that animal because they don't <laughs> exist Tony. They, they're not out
0: there it's a manster half man <laughs> half monster and and one guy that could have done it easily was mark kotze oh i mean we were t- are you kidding me? Easy.
1: Easy off the bump. Golden Spikes, no? Let's be real. Cots was blowing cheese 90, low mid nines uh, uh, out of college. I mean, the ridiculous athleticism in the outfield. I've talked about this and said this forever. One of the best, if the not if not the best defenders and pure readers, pure route runners in the game of baseball. Maybe not have been the fastest guy, but you want to talk about a ball going up in the air and banking on who's going to be waiting for it to come down. Mark Kotze's Right near the top of that list.
0: Yeah, he would. When we played against him, we were in the same conference. He'd go three for four and then hit shut a the jack, door. and then he'd come in and get the save. Yeah, and you're like, this isn't real. <laughs> That's How does fair. this? And of course, he's the golden. I say it all the time, and I think sometimes he he he, he doesn't want me. He's arguably the greatest college baseball player of all time. Right.
1: That, that and that is a that is a hell of a title to carry around and for people to not really understand what kind of impact a player like that could have at the major league level think about the expansion of the rosters as well right yeah that's the other thing is otani at a time he's not going to count against the pitcher total that you're allowed to carry because he's a two-way player they have their own designation completely. So he is a bullpen arm. He's a starter. He is a three-hole hitter. He's a lot of things that a lot of guys would love to be in the big leagues all at once. Okay,
0: so I want to be like Little League. I want Otani to play every game. Yes. I hate giving him time I, off. I'm with you. Play every- so if if Trout's making $37 million a year he <laughs> doesn't he doesn't pitch no 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 no. so, no, 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 so no. what is a guy worth nay, if nay. he's legit pitching and legit hitting what, what are you worth 50 mil
1: we're not there yet i believe that shohei otani is going to break the way that players are compensated should he stay healthy and should he be able to perform at the plate as well as on the mound the way that we've kind of seen flashes of like like, like seriously how do you pay a guy that could potentially be a 20-game winner on the mound and pop 30? He 30 pops, 30 homers. Like, that guy gets paid in baseball. The guy who wins 20 games, he gets paid in baseball. That's the same dude when we're talking about Shohei Otani. How are you going to pay him? What would you start at? Oh, buddy. I mean, we're talking about, first of all, we've got to see about the health, right? Because let's just say he's health. Uh,
0: let's say Player X, mm-hmm. all right? I got Player X. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make him he's in my 2 or 3 in the rotation and he hits in the middle of my order.
1: Where do we start? What I mean, what's he worth? You you have to consider you, uh, I'm I'm starting 35 probably. 35 million a year. Why not? You're talking about a guy who's going to hit you 30 to 40 home runs and win you potentially 20 ball games on the mound and I know 20 ball games on the mound is Lofty, but we're talking about over a course of what 32, 33 starts, giving your team more than a chance to win every time he toes the rubber. We saw what he did to the Oakland A's opening day. I was 62 feet away from watching him dazzle with 100 mile an hour fastballs and devastating splits at the bottom of the zone, rendering hitters essentially ineffective, even with two bats in their hand. Now that guy is going to go and hit third in the lineup when they go on offense, and he's going to do that all year long. So if we're talking about a guy who's not getting the 350 at bats, maybe he's getting 500 at bats. Tell huh. me, We can't, you, you, I don't know that we have a baseline yet to even think about compensating that individual.
0: Get me Scott Boris on the phone. Oh. How, how much am I making? Am I, I'm making 60. You got to compensate me for both. Am
1: I making 60 million? And that's, and that's the whole point is, is I was kind of I, like when the idea that you could start to have to entertain paying players for just a year, because of how contracts are being divvied up and how they're being handed out and what teams are looking for. Could you imagine paying a guy $40 million a year and people are like, what? $40 million a year for what? Well, we're there. We're there. And we're there over the course of nine years in some instances, right? So imagine trying to capitalize and trying to sort of catch that lightning in a bottle. It's going to cost you a bit. But I think Shohei Otani is a guy that you could definitely, you know, conceivably think, give this guy $40 million a year to see what he's going to do for me on the mound and at the plate. That's a that's a risk. It's a risk I'd be willing to take. So what we're
0: doing here is so unique with Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live. It's something, you know, that everybody in baseball will be doing this at some point. We're just the first. And then for you, what you've started, which has been great for television and for us, is to have a guy who played Major League Baseball down near home plate and analyzing the game for us. I know the Dodgers have now copied it, but what 's that been like for you to really be the first guy to do that and now all these other teams are looking at going that 's a really good idea
1: well it's been it's been really cool and i'm not i 'm not going to mention any names or organizations or anything, but there have been some teams uh, from what I understand that have have kind of tried to run that out there, and there are certain things that you have to overcome in an effort to make that seamless in an effort to make it work and so I do take a lot of pride in that regard and being able to sort of just slide right in if you will with the great glenn Kuyper and the great ray fossey and i just kind of get to be that add-on down there i i I love it i enjoy it but i think the biggest thing is being able to bring the game and the perspective of where i'm at what i'm seeing what i'm hearing to the fans who who really don't have that given to them anywhere else
0: well I, i i think about you know how much we love Ray and you're talking about a two-time world series champion Mm -hmm. as a catcher. Mm -hmm. And then we have you as a former pitcher. Mm -hmm. It's the dynamic of the perspectives I think is what makes it like, as I think if you were a hitter, and Fosse was a hitter. It, it, the fact that you were a pitcher, he's a hitter, he's a catcher, it makes for a great dynamic.
1: Well, it would be a little different conversation, I'm sure, and at times, and and and, Foss and I have talked about this off air, we kind of have to be careful and watch ourselves as to not just completely eliminate Kipe from the conversation <laughs> at times because it's it's not like Kipe doesn't know what he's talking about. Kipe knows the game. like I played minor league oh, baseball. Let's be real. Yeah. Kipe, I mean, he's every bit of qualified um but Foss and I get going, and we start to dive into those relationships, dive into the thought processes about trying to get a hitter out, what we're looking for, what we're seeing happening. And when you get a guy that has his aptitude, as Foss does, and somebody like me who's just trying to constantly learn, even though I can't apply whatever I'm going to learn on the ball field today, uh, it's it does. I think, I think that's what the fans, I, I think, appreciate.
0: And the fans need to know you are still the king, the heavyweight champ, you have not been scored on. You've taken on all comers at Fantasy Camp, and no one has driven in a
1: run against you. That's right. Still got a zero ERA. There was an error made in the Fantasy Camp season, this last Fantasy Camp, um, but I still have a zero ERA. That's what I know, Tony That's all that matters. Still unearned. Zero point zero zero. I appreciate all the participants. I got to tell you, Fantasy Camp was... Amazing this year, Giambi was. It there. was amazing. Giombi was out there. Did he play? What a peach! Did he play? Are you kidding me? Is he hitting bombs? she was dropping <laughs> head downy. He. Oh, the g was great. But I mean, again, Giombi, You talk about guys who endear themselves to a fan base. Obviously, an uber super uber star. But he came back, and folks who had watched him, paid to come and watch him, bought his jersey. He treated them like they had played. 20 years in the big leagues right alongside him every single day and that's what you get when you come to the fantasy camp that's what you get when you come and hang out with guys like giambi who really appreciate the fans and what the game of baseball has done for him and his family that's what this year's fantasy camp was really all about that was the vibe of the camp amazing amazing job by everybody who put it on as well there was a lot of moving parts going on behind the scenes to get everybody accommodated in a brand new place brand new setup there was a ton of things that could have went horribly wrong none of which occurred everybody from what i understood had the time of their life and i believe we had as many as many renewals as we had had combined over the last three or four years all in one day last year or this last this last turn so a uh, uh, great turnout
0: i know he's got young kids but they'll grow oh yeah i i, I want to see him manage he, i want to see jason i think jason because people thought they they brought it up they, they they think his baseball mind that he could and he's got the presence well, in the clubhouse he's a former mvp
1: he's a guy he's a guy Tony when we got on the bus together to go to fantasy camp each morning you know because the coaches kind of drove separate on our bus and you could not – like, I couldn't get on that bus and not have a baseball conversation with G. That's just how it was. I got on the bus, and we were talking the game. We were talking baseball. I was talking to him about rounds of BP, asking questions, right? But if you get a guy like that, sometimes you're afraid to have those conversations. Sometimes you don't feel like he's going to be open to that. Y- you almost have to find, a, find an opportunity to get out of the conversation. Like, all right, G, hey, good talking to you, man. I'm, i got to go and <laughs> do this baseball thing, you know? But, uh, I mean, you just you love every minute of it. So I was very fortunate to be able to spend not only time with him as a teammate, but at Fantasy
0: Camp. So for your schedule going forward, you got the game tonight with Glenn Kuiper, NBC California. What else you got left for spring?
1: Uh, spring training, as far as the Oakland A's are concerned. I'll come out here tonight, obviously call this game, head back home, and uh, then my podcast with Barstool Sports, starting nine, will take off and go to Florida and continue the Florida leg, of our Spikes Up tour. And that'll be from the 13th through the 19th. And we'll be out there. We've already got some pretty big interviews lined up. Day one's going to look pretty good. Um, but once we get back from there, it will be go time. Green and gold. Let's rock, baby. Season's right around the corner, Tony. Florida's not as good as Arizona. Florida sucks. Oh, God. It sucks. And if I was ever any good enough to tell 15 teams that I don't <laughs> want any part of them, all of them would be playing in Florida. No, I'm good, guys. Spring training in Arizona, thanks for coming.
0: They got, you drive like some. you're here like two, three hours. Oh, yeah,
1: every day, every single day. And think about like the night games. Think about if you were playing this game tonight in Florida. After the game ends at 10, maybe 11 o'clock, spring training games, they can get a little girthy. Think about checking in back at home at uh, 2 a.m. And
0: then get up tomorrow and let's work out. You know it, bud. That sucks. Hey, have a good call tonight. We appreciate it. Yes, sir, as always. And you you earned, you the folk hero, you, you earned that. Well, much love and much respect, Tony. Always great to have on Dallas Braden. In Las Vegas, the Athletics went to our AAA ballpark, Las Vegas ballpark, to take on the Cleveland Indians. And we got a chance to hook up with, during his time, he was the best catcher in baseball. He was the American League Rookie of the Year. He's a Gold Glove winner. He was a six-time All-Star and just a part of those really dominant Indians teams Sandy Alomar Jr. Terry Francona with the health issues did not show up, and so Sandy was the manager. And, of course, for years he was in Las Vegas with the Padres, and he was sitting behind Benito Santiago. And you could have made the case, while well, he was the triple-A catcher in Las Vegas. He was literally the second or at least top three catchers in all of baseball, but yet in AAA. He spent some time in Las Vegas and Las Vegas means a lot to him. Here's my conversation with Sandy Alomar Jr. Well, I think about for you Las Vegas, this is a special place for you. you played here for a while when you're with the Padres. Absolutely. Uh, I spent two
2: full full years here in Las Vegas. I had a great time here. Uh, A couple of great seasons, championship, and and, uh, I mean, I could have been treated any better uh, uh, by the uh, front office here, Don Logan and, and uh, San Diego Padres and the Las Vegas
0: Stars. So it was a great time here. And I think for you, as you're going to be managing today, obviously this is a big part of your future. You're going to be manager someday in the big leagues. Uh, what was it like being on the, on the staff with uh, Tito Francona?
2: It's a lot of fun, man. He, he, you know, you get your own responsibilities. He, he let, he, you know, he let uh, everybody do their part and then incorporate it into the game. Uh, the freedom that he gives you to do your things. So you, you, know, you tend to get a lot of responsibilities, so you make sure you do things right.
0: And I think about your ball club now. This is still a team that has a chance to win the Central. You guys are still in this thing. You know, you got the Minnesota Twins, people talk about the White Sox, but you guys are still a really, really good ball club.
2: Uh, absolutely. We, we won 93 games last year, and, that, and that's including uh, considering that we, have, uh, we, we missed Lindor for a month and Jose Ramirez for a month and a half. We missed Clevenger for a month. So we had a share injury. injuries. We still managed uh, to put together a fantastic season. Yes, Minnesota uh, really did play fantastic baseball last year. So we're still on the hunt for it to be a team
0: in the race. And I think about the American League because this, this affects us. The A's also is... There's only a few teams really in this. There's a lot of underbelly. Talk about how when you think about the Yankees, you think about the Rays, you guys, the Twins, the A's, the Astros. There's only so many teams that are really, really in this thing to try and win divisions and get to the, the World
2: Series. I mean, you can take nobody for, grand, for granted because anybody can show up like Minnesota did last year. But, you know, the, the A's always uh, putting good teams out there. They're very competitive and uh uh, if you're looking for a wild, uh, wild card spot, it's very difficult uh, not to. you got to win more than 90 games in, in order to make it. Yeah, think about that. We've won 97 games two straight years, and it only got us to a wild card game. That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, a team that wins that many games should be uh, guaranteed a, a postseason, you know,
0: like a series, not, not just a wild card and when I think about you and Cleveland, what is that relationship like as you being a Cleveland Indian? And I know that the relationship between you and the town is very special.
2: Very special. Uh, they, they gave me that, that, that great opportunity to play mega League Baseball uh, when I got, I got traded to, uh, from, from San Diego. Carlos Vargas, myself, and Chris James. It was a uh, an eye-opening experience, and uh, the opportunity was there. And uh, I mean, they they embraced us when we got in, and we went through the whole process of rebuilding in Cleveland, and then we in, end up doing the the
0: results of. Uh, of a rebuilding. And your guys' teams, you guys were loaded. You had Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You guys set the, the the streak for sellouts all time. At J- back then was Jacobs Field. What was it like during that time playing for the Indians?
2: It was very electric. You know, you you go to the ballpark, you have 43,000 people every single day. Uh, it feels like an uh, uh, a playoff atmosphere every home game. So uh, it was uh, very electrifying. Uh, our team, we had a fantastic offense and and, and remarkable bullpen. So like. Uh, The fans got to experience something very exciting for many years.
0: We appreciate the time. Good luck today, and we'll see you back down in Arizona. Definitely. Thank you very much. Sandy's a really good man, and I hope that someday he actually is able to manage his own team because he'll make a terrific manager. Great. He has great communication with the players. They have the respect for him. I would love to see that. We joke all the time that Fran Reardon – is the manager of the greatest offense of all time the las vegas aviators of course juiced park juice balls we have a we have a lot of fun with it but fran does a terrific job as the manager of our triple a team the las vegas aviators and we got a chance to hook up with fran as we love to say in the house that fran built it's great to finally meet you. We've had you on A's Cast Live a few times and uh, it's wonderful to be here, obviously a ballpark. That means a lot to you guys and what you guys do here with the Aviators.
3: Yeah, it's been a great relationship so far. Last year being the, the first year of the uh, A's affiliate with Las Vegas and opening up a new stadium and and just having the excitement around the Summerlin Las Vegas area for the, the new team and the new affiliate. And then uh, you know having a really nice year last year and having a, a really good team to, to play every night in front of these fans was
0: made for a special year so i what we're trying to tell ace fans is that they mm-hmm. got to get down here that this ballpark is absolutely beautiful it's like 150 million dollars to build it uh here in Summerlin. it's a great place a lot of great golf courses around here and, and i think about the fan support and just what this ballpark has done for the area is tremendous
3: It really is, and and Las Vegas is just such a great sports town in general. You know, you have the Raiders coming, you have the Golden Knights who have had a lot of success in their first couple of years here, and then you combine that with the Aviators coming last year, this beautiful gem of a stadium in Summerlin that is just, uh, you know, it's beyond words until you really come here and see it and experience it. I think people don't understand the the scope of how great it is,
0: and whether it's the fans or the players or the coaches, uh, I think everyone benefits. So we joke all the time on A's cast that you're the manager of the greatest offensive team of all time. We always have fun (laughs) with that, Uh, because all the home runs, I mean, it's truly, you're in the desert, thin air, and and a lot of home runs. How do you evaluate pitching, hitting, when you know that, we already know the ball was a little bit juiced last year. How how do you evaluate the talent?
3: Well, I mean, there's certain metrics that you can look at that that plays, whether it's uh, Las Vegas or whether it's New Orleans, and it just... You know, looking at how hard a guy hits the ball, looking at spin rates on pitchers, stuff that we didn't have the ability to measure five, six, seven years ago that we do today, it it makes it so that you can evaluate uh, performance, you can evaluate talent, no matter where the the baseball is being played. And I think that's a big part of it, and I think that's what what our front office does a great job of evaluating, to, to make it play so that the guys that they're calling up, are going to have success and are going to produce at the major league level, regardless of where they're coming from.
0: AAA is so interesting because of your relationship with the front office and with Bob Melvin and his staff, that direct connection, because the guys you're managing, they're coming to the big leagues to help. What is that relationship for you like with Bob and the front office? Well, I think
3: it's a great collaboration, first of all. Um, I think there's a lot of synergy between the front office, the major league staff, uh, led by Bob Melvin, and the, the A staff. And, and all working together to make sure that we're all on the same page and, and doing this, the things at the minor league level that they want done in the big leagues. And sharing information, you know, when guys go up or guys come down. Maybe some guy gets sent down and he needs to work on something to to get back there. Or maybe a guy's going to go up and uh, the staff isn't as familiar as as we are with them. So we'll we'll send them some reports or we'll we'll throw a phone call out there. But I, I think that the relationship in its entirety works really, really well. And I think that's, that's been a part of our, our success in the big leagues the
0: last couple of years. You know, one thing we've talked about recently is about the depth in this organization right now with starting pitching. It was just last year and two years ago where David Forrest and Billy Bean are just trying to find a starting staff at the big league level. Now I think of, you know, whether it's Holmes, Caprelli, and these guys, you're going to have a terrific starting staff this year in Las Vegas. Talk about the depth that we have with, with starting pitching.
3: Well, that's, that's the goal. You know, you, you have to have a lot of guys that are ready to contribute, especially starting pitching in the big leagues. And we're fortunate to be in that position where we've either traded or drafted or free agents signed guys that are coming up that are ready to contribute and just need an opportunity. And as we all know in this game, opportunities come at the, the drop of a hat and these guys need to be ready. But it's a good place to be in where you have a, just a, a great depth of starting pitching and You know, compared to where we were uh, two, three years ago, I think we're in a really good place.
0: Yeah, because I think it was God. It was like the 2012 Tigers are like the last team to only use seven starters in a season. So it's like your guys down here have to know that there's a good chance they're going to be coming up.
3: I think they know that, and it's not just the pitchers; it's position guys too. We use a lot of guys from AAA over the course of the year, and it's always like that. And um, it's a great organization to be in to get an opportunity at the big leagues or get another. Opportunity to play in the big leagues if you've already been there. So, I think that, that that helps when you're trying to sign minor league free agents, and I think it helps with the overall quality of the AAA team and the ability to fill in different spots at the major league
0: level in case of injury or any other circumstance. What is it like for you? You know, you got these guys; it's their dream to play major league baseball, and you got parents, you got wives, you got girlfriends. You're in AAA; you get the chance to call the guy in and tell him your dreams coming true you're going to the big leagues what is that like for you
3: uh, it's the best part of the job I mean if you think of all the things that a triple-a manager does on a day-to-day basis it's a great job um, you you have an effect on, on kids and you're teaching and you're you're coaching and you, you, you want to you know get them as prepared as you can to play in the big leagues and when that call comes And it's one thing to tell a guy who's been there two or three times. He's been an up-and-down guy, and he's going back. And that's still wonderful because that's Mm -hmm. still the goal, to get to the big leagues. But when you have an opportunity to tell a guy for the first time, and maybe you have a relationship with him from four or five, six years ago in the lower levels of the minor leagues, and you know his journey, and you've seen the work he's put in and the sacrifices that he's made, to be able to tell him that he's going to big leagues for the first time is – it's an experience, and it's it's one that can't be replicated and just just seeing the the emotions that come out uh, the sheer joy and whether it manifests in, in tears or laughter or disbelief or hugs or whatever whatever way it comes out, it's just a beautiful thing and by far the best part of the job
0: so I, I'm taken from this that every single time you do it it's it's different. It's a different scenario with every guy and then tell me about what it's like. When you have a guy who's like an older guy who thinks he you know, probably has run out of time, maybe he's just a AAA guy, let's say he's 29-30, and you tell him for the first time he's going to the big leagues.
3: Well, I mean, that makes it even more special because to know that a guy has spent 10, 11 years in the minor leagues and he's finally getting the chance to realize his dreams when 90% of his peers have given up and he's kept on year after year Grinding and working and sacrificing and just trying to achieve something that he set out to do probably when he was a little boy Um, The older the older they are going to the big leagues for the first time the the more it means to them because their Their story is longer Uh, more pages have been written, and I think it means more to them. So that's another level of, uh, of Moment for those guys
0: and what's interesting about your job is you have to do what's best for the organization, but yet you also have to win games. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's what you're here to do every single day. Yeah, our, our number one
3: focus is to have guys prepared to produce at the major league level, not just go there and be wallflowers, but to go, go there and produce and play confidently and help the major league club win. Uh, our second objective, and I make no secret about it, is to win at the AAA level. And there is a lot of fluidity, there is a lot of movement with our roster, up and down, big leagues, AAA, A, and I expect the same things from the guys coming to the A that in the big leagues they expect from our guys coming there. They need to be ready to produce, they need to be ready to perform at a different level, and they need to help a ball club win, because they're getting prepared to go help the major league club win. So it's an expectation that I think you can talk about freely and. You know, make no
0: secret that you're trying to get guys ready for the big leagues, but you're also trying to win every night. Hey, it's great to finally meet you. I truly appreciate you coming on, and we'll have you on throughout the season. Good luck this year here in Las Vegas. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks. Fran Reardon, I guarantee you, is a guy you're going to hear a lot of in 2020. We'll be having him on A's Cast Live throughout the season. And we'll end with Grady Fuson, special assistant to the general manager. Grady is truly one of the great scouts slash personnel guys in the history of baseball been with the A's multiple times and the amount of people that he's drafted that he has scouted the list is incredible here is the great Grady Fuson Grady Fuson is walking down the line as we speak and we're gonna have him on talk a little A's baseball and get his wisdom and all the years that he's been in this wonderful game of course. He tees it up with my brother and my nephew all the time down at San Diego Country Club. But this man is an absolute baseball legend. And back with the A's and a lot of these great players. He's been the guy that's been evaluating these guys. And uh, it's going to be great to have him on as we have this best access. That's why we do this show the way we do it. So we have the access to the players and to the front office and to everybody in baseball. Like no other team has this type of access. Grady, it's great to have you on, and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. (laughs)
4: Mr. Townsend, you just got me in time.
0: How about that? I I texted my brother. I'm like, I see Grady over there. Send me his number. Where's the umbrella? You're out here in the heat. I know. It kind of shows you you we're big league but not that big league. How excited are you for the 2020 season, this group of players?
4: Yeah. Yeah, everybody's looking forward to it. So we've got a little uh, rebound here. Obviously, you know, we got off to a little sluggish 0-1-5 start, but uh, kind of rallied back and got a lot of young kids involved, and it's been fun the last couple of days.
0: Yeah, it, it kills me when, when fans are, are hitting us up on Twitter like panicking. I mean, it's spring training game. Settle down. I mean, the great thing <clears throat> about for the A's this spring is that you guys in the front office you know, it's been pretty easy. You know, you're not you're, you're not in a situation where you're having to build a rotation on the fly. I mean, you really have six options right now. And then you got a ton, ton of death at AAA. It's like, for the first time in a long time, there's not a whole lot of movement. We know who the core is with this group going forward. Yeah, you're right on. I
4: mean, it's, uh, you saw it kind of come together the last couple years. And now we got this healthy group of young pitching that we're kind of hoping makes it through this year. So, it's going to be a big part of it.
0: What? team would you compare this 2020 group with all your years being with the As?
4: <clears throat> um, well, it's hard to say without you know the finishing of, of the starting rotation but you know I go back to those 88 to 91 years or 90 years that were you know the, the rotation was solid. the back end of the bullpen was solid. we homered, we walked. we had all the ingredients to creating runs and it played itself out you know over the course of a full you know three years almost so you know we're on time finally with the pitching if Lozardo's what we think he is if puck comes in and he is what we think he is and the rest of the guys that are here uh the bullpen uh performs you know offensively we play the we catch the baseball well now uh I think our defense is as good as it's been in a long time uh both outfield and infield so I mean we got a chance to be the total package type team. If everything holds up, people stay healthy and, and play, uh, you know, moderately to their potential.
0: I'm glad you brought up the defense because I think around the country, when people think about the A's, they think about home runs and they think about power. But to me, the hallmark of this team has been just the superior defense, especially the corners, whether it's right field, left field, third base, first base, the defense really is second to none, and it's – you can win a lot of games with good defense,
4: without a doubt, especially when you have pitching, and you have good pitching. That 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 plus defense just adds to it, and you know the one thing that hasn't changed in our game over these years is how to win one, and that's just outscore your opponents. So when you're in a position to win two to one games as much as you are to win six to five games, you're in good shape.
0: Yeah, the A's I believe had 27 wins in one run games and that was the most in major league baseball and it just tells you about the confidence really in 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 the players and i i liken this to basketball i know it's not apples to apples but recently i saw this interview with a lot of these nba greats and isaiah thomas was one where he was talking about you know losing to the big three the boston celtics taught them how to win and then, of course, Michael Jordan got beat by the Pistons and not taught him how to win. So in sports, you can lose, and they're tough losses, but if it, it shows you how to win championships, and I'm hoping that the last two years these wild card games have really taught these guys what the postseason is all about.
4: Hopefully we get out of this wild card thing. Yeah. But uh, you know what's amazing is when you think we won, what, 97 games last year? How many games did we blow in the ninth? A lot. Yeah, it's like 27. So just imagine if half of those would have been saved, what our record would have been—just off the charts. We'd had the best record in baseball.
0: I mean, think that nowadays we're looking at it. You've got to win well over 100 games to win your division.
4: Well, yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, you know, how many clubs won 100 in their division?
0: All three American League All teams. All three American League. Won over 100 games. Yeah. So.
4: You know, the game has its way of turning on, turning off, changing tides, but it uh, just shows you how talented some of these clubs are right now.
0: A little live action here. Is a, uh, Matt Champman almost got us with the ball. You know, you were in a movie. You, you,
4: are, you are not sitting in a perfect spot. No, I am that. not.
0: <laughs> That's why my eyes are always, always looking forward. Uh, you, were per, you were in Moneyball. And it's pretty, you know, obviously is a huge, the book and the success of the movie. How did you feel you were portrayed in the in the movie?
4: Well, not very good and certainly not with much truth. So I didn't mind it. You know, a lot of people don't know that originally uh, Steve Soderbergh was going to be the director. And there was about four of us that were going to play our own part. And I was one of them. Oh, that would have been awesome. And right the day they came here to film at Phoenix Muni. They had all the stuff. They had the booms and all the stuff that goes with production of television, and that's when they fired Steve Soderbergh, and the, the movie went in the tank for a while. Yeah. And then the new director eventually a year or so later when they uh, decided to redo the movie, he had a whole different idea.
0: So uh, you never really told Billy Bean that uh, he's going to be working at Dick Sporting Goods, right? I don't remember doing <laughs> that. <laughs> or you don't put a team together with a computer, no, Billy. No, no. <laughs>
4: I mean, me and Billy always had our little arguments, but those are the normal things that go on in a front office. You know, you you talk baseball, and passionate people get get going. And but I've I've never not liked working for the man, and obviously he keeps hiring me back, so
0: we're good. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, keep taking care of my nephew down there, Jack Townsend, because I think he might have a might have a future in the game he, of golf. He, he's
4: missing me right now. He probably. Probably shy of a couple of 20s that we play for here and there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next time, you need a screen in front of you. I'm just know, telling
0: you. I know. This is this is the last show we're doing on the field until we get back home because we do this in Oakland. We do this before every game in Oakland. We have the show out on the field, and it, just, it allows us to have access to people like yourself. Yeah. It's incredible. We appreciate the time. Be well. We'll see you back in Oakland. You got it. Thank you, man. Well, thank you for listening to another edition of A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Dallas Braden, Sandy Alomar, Jr., Fran Reardon and Grady Fuson. Now back to A's cast, powered by TuneIn.
3: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.